I'm Theo. And I'm Juliet. And this is Apologies Accepted. We offer an entertaining look at some of the big issues in history by examining public apologies of the famous and infamous. We're looking at politicians, serial killers, actors, and you. Send us a public apology you would like to make, and we'll read it on the air and give you a chance to redeem yourself, or just get some guilt off your shoulders. We're here for you. Once a week, maybe more if you're really, really sorry. accepted the podcast the podcast yay and i'm not theo and i'm not juliet i had to think a minute am i not theo is that right <laughs> did i get that right many have tried and nap. many have uh succeeded <laughs> yes. far better than i have nobody else has, has succeeded at being theo um so how you doing theo what's going on what's the latest what's the news just a bunch of moving and running around like a chicken with my head cut off as oh my god! That expression awesome. runs in my family. Yes. Well, you look great, so that's you got that going for you. That's what stress and caffeine will do for you. <laughs> I'm wide fucking awake. <laughs> I wish I were. I made the mistake of taking a nap, like I said right before this, and so I'm still half asleep. But my alarm might go off any minute. As a matter of fact, hopefully it won't. It's time it to wake up. <laughs> You're actually podcasting. It's not just a beautiful dream. Oh, I set the alarm for a.m. instead of p.m., so it's a good thing I, did, I woke up on my own. Uh, I'm going to cough, so hold on. There, you missed it. But I got to All see right. it in living color. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's beautiful. So I've been here in Long Beach now for three days. Let's see, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, three days, and I'm enjoying every minute of it. The weather has been just stunning, and everything is fantastic. Um, if, if I didn't have this dog with me, I'd get to do a lot more, but unfortunately... Um, I don't get to do a lot more, but I do have a dog, which is a bonus, so um, it makes up for it in some respects. But we did go on a long walk this morning on the beach, and it was just beautiful, and we saw some other dogs and some other people. A lot of people get up early here. I was up at 5, and I was surprised at how many people were out and about. I will so. tell you that uh, Long Beach is a commuter's community, so it's inexpensive, right? And it's midway between Orange County and uh, downtown L.A., so... Uh, people are in the habit of getting up at 5 a.m. to get on the road by 7 a.m. to get in the office by 9 a.m. So, and it's a weekend, you get to sleep until 6.30. Hello, fucking Luya. <laughs> wow. So when you lived here, how long was your commute? Uh, uh, no brag, an hour and 25 minutes each mm. way. Mm. That bites. Where did you work? I worked in downtown L.A. and. Uh, oh, Wow. And wow. I, well, yep. I remember. That's why I'm so good at road rage because I had hours and hours and hours to perfect it. To practice. Yeah. <laughs> I've elevated it to an art form. Wow. And I bet like if it were no traffic, it would take 20 minutes to get to downtown LA. Oh, no traffic. Totally. It's it, if even, well, it, probably about 20, but uh, yeah. Wow. Oh God. And never again, never again will I commute an hour and 25 minutes for it was a great job, but that's good. No way. But not again. Yeah, I don't never blame again. You. I will just live I've in the office. I've never had a commute like that that I remember. I don't think. Yeah, I know it's better to live in the office than to commute to work that that far. Live in the office and marry the boss, and all yeah, the employees will be my children. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect plan. <laughs> and all anything can work out if you just put your mind to it. 
<laughs> and then twist it a little bit. So today we're talking about the, um, oh my God, I don't even want to say it. It's so depressing. But the, the Pope's non-apology for the discovery of 215 unmarked um, unmarked graves, so to speak. Of children. Not really graves, but of children um, in Canada. Uh, so shall we go ahead and discuss it or shall we just change the subject and not shall we just think about it again? sit here and cry <laughs> and then let's just chat about our lives for an hour instead. Right. And, we sh- and then, and then uh, just throw out a number against the Pope. Uh, not even his apology. Just yeah, uh, the Pope sucks. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tough. Real, real. What words? Real disappointing? Jesus. <laughs> disappointing. <laughs> but you know, that was a bummer. But, um, okay, so so let's start this by, by saying that um, uh, there was a discovery made in Canada of uh, 215 unmarked graves at a um, school for First Nation children to be indoctrinated into Western culture, anglicized Basically. to learn Christianity. And yeah, it was a Catholic run school, a residential school. Yeah. And so like th- these schools are, and or these foster homes and or these orphanages all sort of have the same purpose, which is take um, people of color and then make them some version of European. Them. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, stamp out their culture, stamp out their language. And uh, it happened in Australia. Some of these schools are, and orphanages and child care systems are government run, and some of them run by religious organizations. Um, and so I think everybody's kind of got a good sense of what those institutions are like. It must have happened in the U.S. too, and maybe still is happening, but I don't think I've heard anything about it. And I didn't come across anything in my research. Oh, I'm for sure for America, there were, there were sure religious you schools know for. Happening. I'm sh- yeah. First yeah. Nation people. I mean, do I know of any? No, but uh, it can't have just been strictly a Canadian, Australian Certainly um, not. thing. You'd, and then I, like, my question would be, what, what like in India, what like? I'm getting so upset that, yeah, I'm, yeah my, uh, my language ability. Language ability? God, listen to me flatter myself. Anyway, I'll shut up now. Um <laughs> Okay. But yeah, I'll just carry you. on. You should. <laughs> um, um, I was going to say that the Pope uh, didn't did not apologize for this earlier this month, but he expressed what he called a closeness to traumatized Canadians over this discovery of these 215 children buried on the grounds of the residential school in Kamloops, British Columbia. Um, Vatican observers were not surprised that he didn't apologize. They said the lack of a formal apology from the Pope and Canadian bishops as a group reflects an ongoing paralysis within the Vatican hierarchy over how to deal with the issue of abuse. So the children's remains were found, as you mentioned, in unmarked graves at the former school. Um, Dr. Keisha Supernant, Supernant, I don't know how to pronounce her last name, I'm sorry, doctor. Um, She's an indigenous woman who directs the Institute for Prairie and Indigenous Archaeology at the University of Alberta. And she's been leading teams that use ground-penetrating radar and other technologies to hunt for remains. And she's, her team is the one that found these um, 215 um, unmarked graves at the school, which was operated by the Catholic Church between 
1990 and 1969. Um, as Theo mentioned, residential schools were created by the Canadian federal government as part of a broader effort to strip Indigenous people of their cultures and identity. Children forced to attend were frequently subjected to physical, mental, and sexual abuse and suffered neglect and malnutrition. So apparently more than 150,000 Indigenous children were forced to attend these schools, um, most of which were run by Catholic, Roman Catholic missionary congregations. And hundreds, if not thousands, are believed to have died at the schools, and work is underway in other Indigenous communities to look for unmarked burial sites. The, South the, sorry, the Sioux Valley Dakota Nation are working to identify their own series of unmarked graves at the former Brandon Residential School, which is located in southern Manitoba and was in operation from 1895 to 1972. Uh, so far, they've discovered 104 possible bodies of indigenous children between three sites on or around the school's property. And only 100, uh, out of the 104, only 78 have been matched with burial records. So United Presbyterian and Anglican churches, as well as the Canadian government, have apologized for their roles in the abuse suffered at residential schools, and only the Catholic Church has re repeatedly defied calls to apologize, despite offering formal apologies for the crimes of the church in Ireland and its, quote, grave sins in South America. The Canadian government not only apologized, but admitted that physical and sexual abuse was rampant in the schools, and students were beaten for speaking their native languages. It's depressing. I mean, it, on many levels, when you hear this, it's unbelievable. But then if you were ever a child in a Catholic school, you You're can like, totally. totally see if oh, hell yeah. those nuns had complete control of you, like 24-7. Uh, yeah, I can see it getting out of hand. Absolutely. I mean, I, even, even then, I'd be hard-pressed to say I could see it leading to death. Um, but the the thing that is most, I don't know, shocking, concerning, uh, um, yeah, the, the thing that is most heartbreaking is that it was known in the First Nation communities that some children just never came back from these schools, but there was no right. explanation as to where did the kids go? And nobody and, believed them, that their kids had disappeared. So uh, that leads to this quote from Perry Bellegarde, who is the National Chief of the Assembly of First Nations, which is the country, Canada's largest indigenous organization. He said, a lot of survivors, my relatives, they've been saying this for years and years, that there was a lot of death, there's a lot of unmarked graves, but nobody ever believed the survivors. And now with the discovery of the gravesite at Kamloops, it's just horrific, it's tragic, and it's painful. So I think um, uh, in the early 2000, 2000s, the, a, a National Truth and Reconciliation Commission was set up by the Canadian government and spent six years hearing from 6,750 witnesses to document the history of the schools. They put out a report in 2015 which concluded that the system was a form of cultural genocide, and some former students testified before the commission that priests at the schools had fathered infants with indigenous students, that the babies had been taken away from their young mothers and killed, and that in some cases their bodies were thrown into furnaces. Many students also died from disease, accidents, fires, and during attempts to escape. Schools suffered mass deaths when infectious diseases swept through them, according to a report this year on the burial sites by a professor of anthropology in Thunder Bay, Ontario. So Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau had called on the Pope to apologize after the discovery of the children's remains. But a Vatican observer and a professor of history 
historical theology at Villanova University in Pennsylvania named Massimo Fagioli said that the Vatican hierarchy are trying to convince themselves that they have done what they needed to do. They spend 90% of their capital in terms of authority and media and trying to stop the bleeding of credibility. But they don't understand that every single national or local case wants to have its own recognition and that the typology of abuses discovered in recent years from the abuse of nuns to Kamloops is far more complicated than a pedophile priest. My fear is that they're listening to lawyers, and lawyers are telling them if you apologize, you will open a flood of lawsuits because you're implying that you're responsible. And I think that's what we see. I mean, we see that everywhere. I remember reading a study a long time ago that um, doctors who are are at risk of being sued for malpractice. If they simply apologize, a lot of times they don't get sued because all people want is an apology. But their lawyers advise them against apologizing because they um, it would be like admitting that they did something wrong. So it's it's a shame that they're in they're in they're in the situation that people are in the situation. The whole thing is a nightmare. I think. Uh, yeah, even even beyond a nightmare. Um, although, I I mean. I see the. I'm going to put my attorney hat on. I have Go a, for it. I have many hats, right? <laughs> and so my attorney hat says, "Yeah, I see the logic in telling somebody not to apologize because when you get dragged into court and you haven't apologized and they're suing you for one million dollars, right. all right, great. Maybe they'll settle for seven fifty. Maybe you get a million, right? But if you apologize and they sue you anyway." Well, they're getting $12 million, right? Right. And the church needs to hold on to this precious, precious gold that it has because the right. only way to get to God is to build a staircase made of golden diamonds up to the clouds. Yeah. Obviously. Right. So. Obviously. Yeah. Some of the church has apologized. So the Catholic order in charge of the largest number of missionary schools, the Missionary Oblates of Mary Immaculate, apologized in 1991. Um, the... Cardinal Thomas Collins, after the Pope commented, I won't say apologize, told CBC that more important than a papal visit to Canada and apology, though, was the day-to-day -day work that he said the Catholic Church has been carrying out alongside indigenous people. I don't know that that's true. Um, it's an interpretation that many indigenous people uh, take issue with, obviously. Um, Pope I mean, do you think? Yeah, right. Pope Benedict XVI, who I don't even remember, unless he was the evil-looking guy. Do you remember? Oh, uh, Ratzinger, um, Cardinal Ratzkeller, Ratzinger. Yeah. yeah. Was he? Um, oh, he's totally he, a vampire. <laughs> you can just was look at him. Was he Pope Benedict the Sixteenth in two thousand nine? Whoever that was, he apologized. Yeah, the to, the one who retired. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. he's ninety two years old and still living on the Vatican grounds. He's retired, and um, he is a very very strict. This is silly to say about a pope. He's very, very strict. But what I mean to say is... He's a strict Catholic. <laughs> yeah. He, he is a... Um, if we think of our Supreme Court justices, we have some who are textualist. And, you know, yeah. like, it doesn't say this word. It can't have that argument. Um, right. And then others are open to interpretation. The last pope... He was pope for X number of days or whatever. Um, he's kind of like... The Bible said, and this is it, and there's no interpretation. And this current Pope, Pope Francis, is much more the huggable Pope. And yeah. he's he's all about interpretation. And he's, I don't know that he's, he's I think he has apologized for sexual abuse. For some, yeah. yeah. For I think, in, I think I get to it later that there's some 
apologies for uh, sexual abuse in Germany and uh, some others, I'm sure, but not not this current yeah, topic. Which is why about. this this it expression of sorrow is so weird to me because. How can you not? I mean, maybe maybe something simply can't be apologized for. Well, he did make an apology. Pope Francis made an apology to the indigenous peoples of the Americas on a trip to Bolivia in 2015. And some of the cardinals are saying that that covers Canada, that Canada's included. So uh, he doesn't need to apologize again because he already apologized. But I don't I don't. Oh, think hey, I'm sorry truth. for everything we may have ever done. Yeah, right. <laughs> Whether that was jaywalking or burying some kids and not telling anybody about it. We're real sorry. Oh my God. Really, what could you do that's worse than abusing and burying kids? That you're I wouldn't want to think about it, uh, and, but and now I'm thinking about it. Oh, man. I, uh, I, I, I can't come up with anything off the top of my head. Not that it's I can't contest. think of anything worse. I mean, especially <laughs> given the the whole like premise of religion, right? Which right? is... You care for the innocent and you and you nurture the next generation, right? And yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I was going to say that Pope Benedict the 16th, whichever one he was, apologized in 2009 to a group that came to visit him from Canada's Assembly of First Nations and called the treatment of children in residential schools deplorable. So maybe that also is meant to cover. I mean, I guess any apology could be intended to well, the Pope is infallible. I don't think so. any apology. I mean, what what kind of apology could make up for what happened? I, why would you even want an apology? I'd be like, shove your apology. Um, boy, uh, again, it gets down to this. You um, have to unless it's just a start. You have to apologize, right? This is like when do governments apologize for actions that are two hundred years ago, right? And right. and you do it because you're planting a flag in history, and you're saying. This previous behavior was wrong, and we're going to own it, and we're going to say it's unacceptable, inex- it was unacceptable, and inexcusable, right. and we're going to use the words "we're sorry," knowing that that doesn't really, you know, bring anybody back to life or or change anything. But moving forward, blah blah blah. So I think apologies exactly. are important, and how do you apologize for for something like this? Yeah, I I, I got nothing. Well, the um, the guy in Germany that I was referring to or alluding to earlier, um, Cardinal Reinhard Marx, who's a leading figure in the German Catholic Church, oh, and, I hate one that bitch. Pope, and one of Pope Francis's strongest allies, actually resigned. He um, he's not accused of abuse, but he wrote that he was resigning as a way to take personal and institutional responsibility, quote, for the catastrophe of the sexual abuse by church officials, unquote, and the dead end the Catholic Church finds itself in over their handling of the issue. So his I'm going to say really that's addressing, a really I mean, nice that's, move. That's a meaningful, yeah, that's a yeah. meaningful act activity, <laughs> um, action. <laughs> that's a or meaningful activity, action. arguably. <laughs> Man, I should never take a nap before the podcast. Um, and Fajoli, who I referred to earlier, said that the um, the the Pope and Pope and them don't know what else to do because the only thing that could assuage the anger would be for the Pope to go to Canada and apologize. And you know what happens the day after they announce that? Australia and Africa and every place else wants an apology too. So when do you stop? The problem is, as they see it, it's never enough. Well, I think you could just issue one apology to the world. (laughs) For everything, ever. Right. And and not so much you're covered, but I, I can see where the church might be like, 
holy moly, if Canada comes after us for this, then we're really in trouble when the rest of the countries in the world start coming after us as well. Yeah. Yeah. We've got to build that staircase to heaven. Got to start somewhere. Yeah, the uh, Crown Services... Crown Indigenous Services Minister Carolyn Bennett said it is not enough for Pope Francis to express his sorrow. And Chief Roseanne Casimir of the, and I'm going to, I'm sorry, I'm going to ruin this name. I tried to practice saying it. The Tekemloops Tesquempem First Nation in British Columbia has also said that her nation wants a public apology from the Catholic Church. Um, and the Perry Bell Guard that I mentioned before, the National Chief of the Assembly of First Nations, said he hoped the shock that followed the discovery in Kamloops would lead Canada to accelerate efforts at bringing about reconciliation and eliminating discrimination and the wide economic gap between Indigenous people and the rest of the country. So, yeah, um, things are still bad for Indigenous people everywhere, probably. Um, he said, we've helped build this great country and nobody's going anywhere. We have to work together. So let's roll up our sleeves and get this work done. I think that's a really beautiful uh, st- uh, statement slash it's a, it's a practical approach to, he's right. Nobody's going to go anywhere. No, no right. culture is going to just suddenly decide that we give up. up and leave. Right. Right. So during an online commemoration, Karen Joseph, who's CEO of the Reconciliation Canada charity, said the discovery in Canloops marked the first time, uh, quote, whispered knowing was made real, which makes me cringe, but Mm. I'm sure that's a lovely poetic sentiment. Um, I'm just not one for lovely poetic sentiments. And its effect is being felt across the country, especially by residential school survivors. This is not a historical event, she said. This continues today, the loss of our children and the loss of our people for no other reason than the color of our skin. Man, we talk about racism so much on this podcast. It's so depressing. It's so sad. You're right. So many of the things that we cover are about racism and, and, I suppose white supremacy flexes itself in many different ways. And, you know, sometimes it's individual it's to individual and sometimes it's, it's cultural. And I think in this yeah. instance, this is, and, 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 or religious, right? Because putting my, putting my nuns hat on, not to pick on the nuns, right? Your wimple? But my, oh, look at you knowing all the words for a the word. fabric. Yes, it is a wimple. <laughs> Um, or at least that's a word I recognize as a nun's hat. Um, yeah. Maybe even beyond a nun. But anyway, so it doesn't matter. But what matters is I can imagine the good that these people thought they were doing. Right? Yes. We're beating the devil out of these kids. Oh, my God. Yeah. And And then they literally believe that the devil inhabits the bodies of... Maybe. Of non-white people, right? Um, or it's possible. the religious or practices of inferior. those people. Well, yeah. right. That, and, and not to say that, like, nuns are sadists, but I bet more than a few kind of. belong to a couple of nightclubs. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah. Uh, I don't know. Um, 
there's well, I think a lot as, there. as white people, we don't have to live with the consequences very often of white supremacy, and we aren't affected negatively by it very often. So that when we when we research these apologies, a lot of them are race related, just because there's a lot going on that's race related, and we don't necessarily have to deal with it all the time. So um, it starts to seem like a lot to us, and and maybe becomes a little bit overwhelming. But for a lot of people, this is their everyday life. Yeah, yeah, so. and not to not to say like that's unimaginable, but I I can't even and I mean I, yeah. sort of as a gay person who lives in a straight world, high world, yeah. like ninety percent straight, um, I can sort of maybe start to get a sense, but then mm-hmm. you know I have um, I have the belonging to the uh, being a white person, yeah. so I got that little escape valve. Right. right. Um, yeah. And also being dreadfully good looking. There's you get a lot of leeway for that, too. <laughs> How dare you laugh? <laughs> I'm laughing because it's true. It's laughter of joy. <laughs> it is. <laughs> um, but yeah, so let's uh, let's look at this Pope's apology, because I noticed a couple of things, not so much in the apology, but in some parts around the apology. That you mean his non-apology? His yes, right. His um, his failure to apologize. Expression of but sorrow. Yes. He said, and this is the quote that I have from him, I am following with pain the news that arrives from Canada about the upsetting discovery of the remains of 215 children. I join with the Canadian bishops and the entire Catholic Church in Canada in expressing my closeness to the Canadian people traumatized by the shocking news. This sad discovery adds to the awareness of the sorrows and sufferings of the past. May the political and religious authorities continue to collaborate with determination to shed light on this sad affair and to commit humbly to a path of reconciliation reconciliation and healing. These difficult moments represent a strong call to distance ourselves from the colonial model and from today's ideological colonizing and to walk side by side in dialogue, in mutual respect, and in recognizing rights and cultural values of all the daughters and sons of Canada. Let's entrust to the Lord the souls of all those children deceased in the residential schools of Canada. Let us pray for the families and for the indigenous Canadian communities overcome by sorrow. And then he asked for some moments of silence. Oh, and I'm just going to say, problem solved, right? We right. commend to the Lord the soul of all the children who died at the Canadian schools. So it's fine now. They're with God. Uh, right. Yep, exactly. Um, yeah. I. I uh, do you want to rate that? I want to rate that a zero, a big fat zero. I mean, pretty words, but useless. It's It's... Pretty useless. You didn't apologize. It's not an apology. It, we can't even rate it. It's it's not even an apology. I'm going to agree with you. It's not an apology. Um, and I would say, even as a PR move, it's it's kind of weak. Um, it is. You need to do a little more than just say, hey, everybody, the souls are with God. So I feel your pain, Canada. Yeah. 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 It doesn't really help. No. And... Uh, it doesn't make the church, I mean, of course, none of us makes the church look good, but the, this expression of sorrow and joining in community with people. I mean, first of all, aren't you, not you specifically, Pope Francis, but, you know, the Catholic Church, aren't you the organization that uh, tried to force your belief system on these people? And now you're going to yeah. tell them, but don't worry about it because he's with our God or they're with our God. Um, right. Maybe we don't want Good that. Point. 
That's exactly right. Why would they? Well, but they then... They want to be a, just from... Of course, some of them probably were successfully colonized. Uh, right. So maybe Catholics now and are looking to the Pope to uh, make some reason. Do a little this. more than, than tell us how sorry you are. Or not even sorry, how, how sad you are, right? Yeah. Yeah, but um, sure, there are some people that the fact that the Pope um, acknowledged this and mentioned the school by name and says that he's sad for, makes everything okay because the Pope's saying um, church did wrong, we know the church did wrong, can't believe how horrible this is. Um, not that these aren't his words, but I'm imagining that somebody trying to get on board with the Pope and, and mm -hmm. say, he did it, yay, right? The Pope mentioned my name. Um, yeah. Then, you know, okay, I, I can see that, but um, I mean, not for me. No. And I was born a Catholic, not for me. Yeah, yeah, it's not good enough. Yep, it's a big zero. Um, so you give it a zero, too. Oh, for sure. And before that, okay, so this is terrible, um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it. Okay. I can't imitate the Pope without putting on a Count Dracula accent, right? Oh, that's funny. It, any Pope, it doesn't matter, right? <laughs> I immediately start sounding Transylvanian, and I don't know why. So, oh, how funny. Um, I can't tell you, uh, it, but are you going to imitate the Pope? I'm going to imitate the Pope because All right, let's hear it. the Pope didn't just come out behind a microphone and say, God, I'm really sad about what happened in Canada. And, you know, uh, wow, we're really with you. And Hey, those kids are with God and okay, bye. Right. Yeah. He, he spoke to a crowd of people. Um, I think this was issued from the Vatican, but and again, my apologies to our uh, sincerely religious listeners, the two of, of our listeners who are probably religious, because I, I, we're not a program for religious people. Um, no, move on. Yeah. Um, so. They need to move on. I mean, not you. Oh, yeah, right. They, yeah, they do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was getting ready to move on anyway. <laughs> Don't tell me what to do, Juliet. I was going to do what you suggested before you suggested it. <laughs> okay, so it does start like this. This isn't me mocking the Pope. It's just so highly mockable that it's going to, I'm going to mock it, right? Buongiorno! That's how he started his, uh, his thing. Um, Today in Italy and in other countries, we celebrate the solemnity of the body and blood of Christ. The gospel presents us the narrative of the Last Supper. The words and gestures of the Lord touch our heart. He takes the bread in his hands, pronounces the blessing, breaks it, and offers it to the disciples, saying, Take this, my body, and my blood. No, he didn't. <laughs> and my blood. I added that. And my blood. But it stops with, take this, my body. And the minute I read that, I was immediately yeah. back in the third grade. It's yeah. so mystical. It's so weird and scary because it's always like, my body and my blood, and and you could hear the rhythm starting, right? Like, I know, yep. oh, Mass is getting ready to start. This yep. is what yeah, I know. we're going to do. Totally. Um, I went to Mass every uh, twice a week for eight, nine, ten years, twelve years, something like that. Oh, my God. It really gets in you. I have memories of standing in the school 
because of Catholic schools, so no problem. Uh, yeah. Main hallway, reciting the rosary uh, with all oh, the kids man. in the third grade. And yeah. don't remember what we were praying for, but just reciting yeah. the rosary. And it's like, yeah. and the whole rosary, like not just like yep, 10 little thing. beads, but the, the whole, whole like, um, and I can say, let's, let's see if I can even remember it. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou, my one blessed through thy womb, Jesus, holy Mary, mother of God, pray for sinners, now with the hour of death, amen. Amen. Um, that counts as one, and I can get through yeah. the whole rosary pretty quickly from yeah. third grade. But anyway, so yeah. enough about me, and so back to the Pope. <laughs> so that's how he starts it. it. It starts in a very mass way. It gets very liturgical. And uh, then he's got another paragraph that I'm not going to read, but uh, it mentions things about fragility, and um, the Eucharist is fragile, but also there is strength in the Eucharist. And for our non-Catholic listeners, people who don't go to church or whatever, the Eucharist is that little wafer, and that's supposed to be the embodiment of Jesus. If you eat that, then you're getting some goodness of Jesus into your body. You're literally eating him. You're literally eating Jesus. Um, yep. And then, um, okay, and then we'll... He, uh, then he goes into another paragraph, and this is the sentence that, for me, really points to what his thinking is. And there is another strength that stands out in the fragility of the Eucharist, the strength to love those who make mistakes. It is oh on boy. the night. Uh-huh. Yep. See, he's going to spin this. So oh that boy. it's a good thing all those kids died and we buried them secretly because... Because now you can forgive us. Now you us. can forgive us. Oh, my God. Aren't we great? That's horrible. We made a mistake and the strength is in forgiveness. So you guys are really oh the ones with the power. Yeah, it's... I mean, I, I get it, right? But that would not have been my... As, as a PR expert and as a popologist, no, I wouldn't have allowed this. Absolutely not. Okay, so get ready. <laughs> okay. It is on the night he is betrayed that Jesus gives us the bread of life. He gives us the greatest gift while he feels the deepest abyss in his heart. The disciple who eats with him, who dips the morsel in the same plate, is betraying him. And betrayal is the worst suffering for one who loves. And what does Jesus do? He reacts with he reacts to the evil with a greater good. He responds oh, no. to Judas' no with the yes of mercy. He does not punish the sinner, but rather gives his life for him. He pays for him is what it says. But I wonder if that means praise and it was a typo. I don't know. He Probably. pays for him. <laughs> I mean, he pays for him. Um, okay. I, I think it's praise. It must be praise, but maybe he pays for him. He pays for his sins for him. Maybe, maybe. Or he paid for all our sins. Literally, uh, we're now talking about uh, uh, sex workers. Um, when we yeah. receive the Eucharist, Jesus does the same with us. He knows us, he knows we are sinners, and he knows we make many mistakes, but he does not give up joining his life to ours. He knows that we need it because the Eucharist is not the reward of saints. No, it is the bread of sinners. This is why he exhorts us, do not be afraid, take and eat. The children of the but night, you're not such beautiful to go music. To confession unless you, you're not allowed to take the Eucharist unless you've been to confession. So how can it be the bread of sinners? Um, you're supposed to have wiped the sin from your body, except, of course, I guess the original sin, which you're stuck with. You're I'm totally sure. stuck. Yeah. I, I've, I'm sure you could pay somebody in the church enough money and you'd be forgiven for everything. 
um, including original sin. And so, isn't isn't one know. of the sacraments supposed to remove original sin? Or I don't remember. I don't. I I, I could I, tell you. I haven't. I haven't been a Catholic since the third grade. Years of Catholic school, I would remember some of this stuff. Shame on you, Juliet. You. I know. <laughs> I'm a bad girl. <laughs> <laughs> Forgive me. Never. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, so, you know, clearly he's setting it up there that like, yeah, um, hey, we made a mistake, but let's remember we're all Christian and we're supposed to forgive. So let that forgiveness rain down on me. Right. It's right. a bukkake I mean, of forgiveness. Oh, God. <laughs> I was just going to say how self-serving that was. <laughs> oh, I'm going to pass out. That's so great. <laughs> Oh man, uh, I hope nobody listening to this is religious at all because that's probably they won't be after they hear this episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's just as well. I'm sure oh. there's worse to come. Uh, so they just got a couple of other paragraphs, and I won't read with uh, those. But um, he ends with, "Please do not forget to pray for me. Enjoy your lunch, Arrivederci." <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that's not not a um, convincing um, speech. No, not at all. And so I do know that the Canadian government has set aside um, a fund of ten million dollars to um, locate other unmarked graves at other uh, facilities, residential schools. Yes. Um, and so you know, nice. Um, and then it's kind of like what. What does the church do with this, right? Um, and do I care? No, I don't care. Not not because I'm Catholic. What am I trying to say? Like I'm not Catholic anymore, but a part of me, a part of me still is, uh-huh. right? Um, the same part of me that's Wiccan, and the same part of me that's Jewish, and the same part of me that was Muslim yeah. for two days. Um, yeah, yeah, some pretty prayers. Um, and, you know, and that Catholic part of me just expects more. Yeah. I mean, I expect more and I don't give a shit what they do. But I mean, I, th- I think I really think in the long run, they're going to end up apologizing. And maybe we'll make a note of it when they do. In a and, future and doing something. But, I mean, let's get these yeah. uh, uh, bodies back to their families or let's get them someplace. Something like that. Right. Yeah. Um, and give them a decent burial at the very least. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, although I'm sure that in the dead of night, when the priests and nuns were digging these great, how in the world, yeah, do you, as a teacher, as a caregiver for children, as somebody who's running an institution and responsible for the day to day operations, as the janitor, whoever you are, right? Yeah. How in the world do you bury a child just in? A shallow pit. Oh, I don't know how sh- yeah. deep it was, right? I'm assuming it's shallow, yeah. Say some prayers and then go back to the orphanage and do it again or go back to the school. And, like, I mean, you've got to be convinced that you're doing the right thing or you've got to be a psychopath. You've I mean, got to be a other, masochist. Right? Or no, a sadist. Yeah, well, I guess you could be a masochist too. Like, oh, it's so horrible, right? But yeah. I, I read that, the, that some of them made the other kids dig the graves. Oh my! I had not heard that. Um, yeah, I mean, horrible. 
It's it's a. I, I believe mean, it. If you believe in hell, there's a special part of it reserved for these people. For the Catholic Church, right? Yeah, I have no amount of of. There's not enough bukkake forgiveness. Yeah. To wash these people clean. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good try. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean, the, there's nothing positive to be said about any of this. So I think we should just not even try. Um, these people are horrible people. They did horrible things. The world is a horrible place. The end. <laughs> the end. Well, okay. So what? All right. So what? What's the Catholic Church response to your your statement? Horrible things exist so that goodness has a chance to spread its wings and soar. Okay. It's the skies <laughs> of Are you love break song? and beauty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. The church, I'm sure, would have some stern words for me, but I don't care. Oh, they have strong words for me, and um, you know. Yeah. I I care a little bit because I don't want anybody to hate me, but I mean, at the same time, right. you're gonna keep me up at night that I don't get to go to your fictional playground. No, I'm fine. You don't get to yeah. go to mine. You're not welcome to the Summerlands. <laughs> Summerlands. Fuck off, you know. <laughs> yeah, I I don't I don't know. Um I mean, I'll say on the really I mean, here's the other thing. If if you did believe in God, it's, it's, and I'm sure some of these priests and nuns were atheist, right? They just had a job. Maybe, Maybe they started yeah. off as believers, yeah. right? Yeah, a lot sure. of them agnostic at, at some level. Um, yeah, I'm on a, a sliding scale between agnostic and atheist, and um, it's just not a religion. Just isn't really a thing for me. It's not an important part yeah. of my life. I like spirituality. I like being calm. I like right. thinking about nature and contemplating, you know, um, the an afterlife and wondering about that, but I'm just as comfortable with, uh, quantum physics and, you know, alternate realities as I am with like going, actually going to heaven sounds super boring. Well, if it were a really cool heaven, like Summerlands, it would be fun. I'd be, I mean, forever. It's just, kind of, I think I, well, I get change, bored though. easily. So forever. It would be different. If you get bored easily, your heaven changes as often as you need it to. I'm going to your heaven because I like that. <laughs> I like that a lot. You get um, to go to Target whenever you want. I mean, okay. Whatever, I mean. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. I have converted to Julietism. I go to Target. I don't Target. even like Target anymore. I haven't been to a Target in 20 years. I don't even know what it's like anymore. Oh, it's so much not better. I don't like it, but is it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Tar Target's like, Target's the shit, as my friend Gail would okay. say. Um, I've got to go. Yeah, you get good cheap stuff there. Um, awesome. I've got a little tiny bit of stuff about the Pope that I thought was interesting. Um, awesome. Very, very, very little bit. Um, so who is this guy who is not apologizing, but is real sorry? Um, and it's more about the office than it is about the individual. So the Pope, any Pope... Um, presides over, in today's market, he presides over 1.2 billion, with a B, Catholics. He is the person on earth who is closest to God. He is the Supreme Pontiff, the Bishop of Rome. He is the head of Vatican City, which is a city-state and is the world's smallest sovereign state. The Pope is one of the most powerful people on the planet, 
given um, that 1.2 billion Catholics, varying degrees of obey, obey his word, right? Mm -hmm. um, and the Pope is the literal successor to St. Peter. Jesus made Peter the number one disciple personally and gave uh, Peter the keys of heaven, right? Which is why on the Pope's, call it a logo, on his flag. Yeah. And the Pope's symbol, whatever, right? Keys. You'll see a lot of keys figuring prominently, oh, right? So that's so the keys to he's heaven. So he's uh, God's BFF. God's BFF. And God was like, here are the keys to my house, right? Okay. And so that's why in popular fiction, folklore, Peter stands at the gate, right? Because oh, he's got the key okay. to he's open got the, the key gate. To let you in. Right? Oh, I see. Yeah, cool. Like, all right, that's. That's how that got, even though it's not in the Bibles, everybody will tell you that Peter is standing at the oh. pearly gates, right? Um, yeah. And so Jesus also gave Peter the powers of binding and loosing, which means that Peter had the power by indisputable authority to forbid anything or permit anything. Yeah. Right. And then yeah. Peter passed that along until we got to our current Pope. Right, who were almost 2,000 years later since the time of Peter. So Peter lived in about 30 uh -huh. CE, right? Uh, AD, CE. Right. Um, so in 2030, it will literally be 2,000 years since the time of Peter. And, and Jesus will come down and slap me because like, I wasn't paying enough attention. To the second coming, because isn't it supposed to be two? And there's always a second coming. Yeah. Right. I don't know when it's supposed to be. Well, I think I that's think, the whole thing in the you, Bible is like, no one will ever know. No, you, you know, not the day nor the hour or whatever. Yeah. Right. But for some reason, um, well, it's not for some reason. It makes total sense. Um, significant dates always start to trigger this second wave yeah. of second coming. Right. So in yeah. the year 999, um, there was a complete, like, European meltdown of people running into churches and, you know, praying and praying and praying, waiting for Jesus to come. Oh, wow. Because the year was going to turn 1,000, right? Um, yeah. And so, no surprise, in 2000, we kind of um, had that. But we had that more with the Y2K thing. Yeah. We freaked out about that instead of God. Instead of God, Right. Uh, well, technology our is our God, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, so you were telling me the other day that you didn't understand how the Pope could be infallible and have had so many different Popes say so many different things. Exactly. That contradict each other. Because at some point, these people write things down, right? So at some point yeah. you can go to the book and say, all right, this guy said that you're not allowed to sleep with your sister, but this guy says, have it going. <laughs> so which one is right? If they're all infallible, how does that work? Right, exactly. Is it the one who spoke last? Yeah. Right. And what about the guy who spoke first? Was he wrong? Can a pope be wrong? Or was he right at that, at that one time? At and... that moment? Yeah. Right. And these are if this if we have this question, you know this question's asked a thousand times a day of every priest, right? Yeah. So there's a pat answer out there somewhere. I just yeah. didn't Google Don't it. Don't know it. I should Google it one day and find out. Yes. The day that I'm I curious. fair enough. Um, 
Or maybe they just say that the, we just misunderstood and they've never really contradicted each other. Right. If you look at where the comma is in that sentence, yeah. <laughs> it's not really saying that. In the original language, it really means uh, blah, blah, blah. I love that shit. That, I took a, <laughs> um, a religious course in the summer to, uh, for school, right? Yeah. I, whatever, the, whatever it was, I had to take blah, this, and this was the class that was available. But I was like, cool. I'll study mm-hmm. Christianity uh, and and I forget what it was. Like it was like yeah. the first one hundred years or whatever. And it was a <laughs> fascinating course. And I'm so happy huh. that I took it at the end of my uh, college career um, as opposed to yeah. the start. Because if I had taken that course at the beginning, I would have totally studied yeah. theology, right? <laughs> but I would have had wow. to have learned Greek and Latin and Hebrew and blah. But our I almost said our priest. Our professor, they both start with a PR, um, he he read all of those languages and he took us through oh, yeah. the Bible and explained yeah. like, you know, this word and what it meant in 200 and what was that culture. And then how could that word have been translated and understood by the next culture that came along and translated it? Right. And it right. was fascinating, fascinating. Um, and I wish I could remember anything about it. Uh but what I do remember is that there was a book we had to read called How Jesus Became God, which was written by uh, Bart Ehrman, who's a professor at Chapel Hill uh, at Bart. UNC. Okay. Yep. And I think just for fun, I am going to read this paragraph. Okay. Okay. So this was the nature of this course, and all of this was a newsflash to me. Before he was born, his mother had a visitor from heaven who told her that her son would not be a mere mortal, but in fact would be divine. His birth was accompanied by unusual divine signs in the heavens. As an adult, he left his home to engage on an itinerant preaching ministry. He went from village to town, telling all who would listen that they should not be concerned about their earthly lives and their material goods. They should live for what was spiritual and eternal. He gathered a number of followers around him and became convinced that he was no ordinary human, but that he was the son of God. And he did miracles to confirm them in their beliefs. He could heal the sick, cast out demons, and raise the dead. At the end of his life, he aroused opposition among the ruling authorities of Rome and was put on trial, but they could not kill his soul. He ascended to heaven and continues to live there to this day. To prove that he lived on after leaving this earthly orb, He appeared again to at least one of his doubting followers who became convinced, in fact, that that he remains with us even now. Later, some of his followers wrote books about him, and we can still read about him today. But very few of you will have ever seen these books, and I imagine most of you do not know who this great miracle-working son of God was. I have been referring to a man named Apollonius who came from the town of Tyana. He was a pagan, that is, a polytheistic worshiper of the many Roman gods, and a renowned philosopher of his day. His followers thought that he was immortal. Uh, we have a book written about him by his later devotee, Philostrus. It's an unfortunate mm-hmm. name. So phenomenal, right? Yeah. And I knew that there were uh, myths incorporated into the story of Jesus, of course, right? And I can point to uh, Greek and Roman gods and goddesses and say, aha, that motif, we, that was, that's in Christianity, Right. Um, but that was mind blowing, um, for me. Mm. Right. And it just kind of 
reconfirmed to me that it's, uh, for me, a fine, fine decision I've made to sit out religion and just kind of be like, hey, whatever, Venus is an awesome goddess. Don't pray to her too hard because love's hard. Um, But yeah, that's great. Um, Sure, Satan, have at it. That's cool, right? Um, It's, you know, what you do in your actions that I'm more concerned about. And so I would say maybe the Catholic Church has been paying attention to the wrong spiritual deity, if you know what I'm saying. The devil. Maybe it should be Venus? Oh, the devil. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I think there's there's a lot of talk about the devil and what the devil can do to you and will do to you. And and like, hey, you know, hmm. I was listening to a podcast this morning, Tofop, or maybe it was Fofop. I forget which one. But um, anyway, it's Australian and it's a comedian talking to other people. And one of them said that um, if the devil is responsible for punishing the bad people, doesn't that make the devil good? Right. I <laughs> exactly. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm still afraid of the devil when I'm alone and the lights are off. <laughs> but in broad daylight with every single light on and people around, fuck the devil. That's I don't devil. care. Right. Right. There, it, he doesn't come until the lights are off. Um, <laughs> okay. So confession, international podcast confession time. When I oh, was a good. kid, I was afraid yeah. of the devil. Because hi, I yeah. went to Catholic school until the third grade. So of course. of course I was fucking afraid of the devil because they told me I should be. And so I decided that if I could get the devil to like me, that he wouldn't hurt me. Right? And okay. So, no, I didn't kill any cats. Um, <laughs> nope. What I did was I would eat my soup as hot as I could get it. Wow. Right? I wanted the hottest, hottest, hottest soup. Because I wanted to breathe fire so that I could be like the devil who breathed fire, right? Wow. And then once the devil saw that, this is the thinking of a first grader. Once the devil saw that I could breathe fire, he would like me and leave me alone. Sure. That is how I tricked the devil. Did you burn yourself? No. And I think that probably only lasted for like an afternoon. But it's (laughs) a very specific memory. I mean, your your mother probably wouldn't have given you hot enough soup to hurt yourself anyway. So, (laughs) Mom, I want it hotter. I come from a family of non-cooks. Soup in my house was open and poured into a bowl. Microwave. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm sure it saw fire at some point. But, yeah, it wouldn't have been real hot. Wow. That's sad. That's a sad story. I was never afraid of, I was afraid of skeletons and ghosts, but but not the devil. Julia, that's ridiculous. (laughs) Skeletons and goats can't hurt you. But the devil That's what can. my mother told me. The devil told me <laughs> I'm glad no one said that to me when I was your, your oh, age. Okay, when hold I was on. That we we got to rewind. We got to rewind. So you have to tell me, what is it that your mother told you that made you afraid of skeletons and ghosts? Oh, no. She didn't tell me anything that made me afraid of skeletons. I don't know why I was afraid of them. I don't know where I even saw them. I don't know how I encountered skeletons and or ghosts, but uh, that's what I was afraid of. Those, those were the things that woke me up in the middle of the night screaming or whatever <laughs> when I was a kid. <laughs> I mean, hey, ghosts and skeletons wake me up, too, because I'm a big chicken. <laughs> um, but the devil wakes me up more. Okay. Those screams are louder. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, how about um, who's sorry now? Do you have any apologies or apologies that are owed to you? 
oh, or is there anything I'm sad about that I haven't apologized for? Um, right. Mm, mm. Anything religious, maybe. You know what's funny? This is our 30-second episode, and this segment always catches me by surprise. I know, me too. I'm always like, oh, yeah, we have this thing, and what am I going to say? What am I <laughs> What am I really sorry for? What? What's, it doesn't happen every relevant? single episode. No. Um, There's <sighs> something that I might express some sorrow for that also wasn't my... I mean, I'm sure Pope Francis is like, Listen, I wasn't around in 1890, and so mm-hmm. what those bitches did at that school, that's not on me. But, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I am sad. I mean, I can no. apologize for things See, like I laughing at a of- funeral. When I was a kid, we had to go to funerals sometimes because if there if there was no one else to go and it was somebody in our in our parish or whatever that it was a funeral for and it was during school hours, sometimes we had to go to the funeral. Did you get extra I, credit for that? No, of course not. It's, I am outraged. Told us, but um, I remember one time a friend and I had a laughing fit in the middle of a funeral. But I don't think anyone even noticed, so it's really not. I mean, I'm sorry to the person who died and their 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 paltry loved ones who were there. But um, paltry is that the word? Sure, or the scarcity of so um, the yeah. few that were there. There's a word, and I can't think of it right now. I can't think of it either. The paucity of the loved That's ones who were close, there. That's close, or it. So, close <laughs> sure right now that's I, the word I'm sorry for them that i laughed and then i'm sorry to my friend that i laughed during his funeral during his wedding <laughs> oh that's fine i don't think he noticed that i was laughing during his wedding but i was making fun of him um, behind his back at his wedding um because i'm a horrible person i mean I, I i liked him a lot and he was a really good guy and i still like him a lot i don't i don't really know him anymore but um he I, he didn't deserve to be to have someone laughing at his wedding. But, you know, there you are. You were filled with joy for him. Happiness and joy. I was filled with joy for him. Right. These, these, these ceremonies make me laugh, I think. It's, it's not the... Same. Who, whoever's there. It's just if I'm in a formal situation, I'm going to laugh. Right. Anything that's stressful, I'm going to make some sick, stupid, twisted joke in my head. <laughs> and then I'll laugh at how funny what I just thought was. And then yeah. I look like a, a jerk. But, you know, <laughs> hey... Um, Okay, so I have one. It's semi-ish related uh, in that it'd be a religious observance, I suppose. And I'm sad about it, but I'm not sorry about it. So when we were really, yeah. really, really little, um, I was probably five, our next door neighbor uh, passed away. And he was an old man. He was in his 90s. And um, mm-hmm. we went to his funeral, but uh, his family didn't want us to go to his funeral. Um, he was our landlord and my mother was, uh, semi dating his son, but kind of uh-huh. not. She just okay. gotten divorced and, okay. and, uh, so, uh, and she was, uh, Christian and we lived in a Jewish neighborhood. And so, um, his family meeting his sister really, uh, yeah. didn't want him. And so, um, so we were allowed to go if we went early before anybody was there. Why did I have to give all that extra extra information out? No, I thought it was interesting. So we're um, we're in the not really the chapel. We're in the memorial place, right? Yeah. And kneeling at the casket, which is open, and yeah. uh, our mother told us to pray, and so we did. And my sister, who was less than five, didn't yeah. know any. Um, Prayers that she could say, 
and she wanted to know if she could say the food prayer. And my mom said yes. And so my sister said, God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for this food. Amen. At Mr. DePilka's open casket. No wonder his family hated us. Uh, it's a it's, good thing you had to go before everybody else was there. Well, and that too, right? But um, I'm sure that would have gone down real well. Um, had it been, had, you know, had a sister like my mother more um, or at all. So um, uh-huh. I got really mad because that yeah. wasn't an appropriate prayer. And we all know oh, how wow. big I am on decorum. So yeah. um, I I had a little, not fit, but I was like, you can't say that's not a right prayer. You, you say what I'm saying, right? And she didn't want to. She wanted to say the food prayer again. And then my mom said, it doesn't matter. It's a prayer. God knows what she means, right? And I was yep. like, mm, scolded. So I am sorry to my baby sister that oh. I uh, was so insensitive. And so... But you were five. That's, that's what kids five years old are. also not really sorry. <laughs> so you're so still sad just about like it, that like five-year-old. <laughs> oh, man. Being kids, it was something else. I'm glad I'm not a kid anymore. Okay. Well, <laughs> on that note... On those many notes. Was, on those many notes. We're sorry. We apologize for what the Catholic Church did in Canada. And because we are better than the Pope. We are better than the Pope, obviously, since we've apologized. He doesn't even have a podcast. <laughs> With as many listeners as we do. Or oh, I'm any. sorry, Juliet. Um, I heard the elevator right, doors so to hell it. opening. I have to run. Uh, sorry, I didn't hear you. Oh, that's it's probably a good. Th- it, it's because the elevator doors to hell just opened up, and I'm being oh. pulled inside. Okay, yeah. gotcha. All right, uh, on that, on those many notes, we will say goodbye, and we'll be back in a week with additional news. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Very official. Bye. Goodbye. to Apologies Accepted, the podcast. You can find links to the articles and the sources in the show notes. To submit an apology or find out more, visit us at ApologiesAccepted.net, where you can also find our merchandise. We're on Twitter at Apologies Accepted. And on Instagram at Apologies.Accepted. You can support our important work at Patreon forward slash Apologies Accepted. And fuck Facebook. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>